And this uh, message, uh, I pray, is encouraging, but at the same time, uh, if you get your toes stepped on, I'm up here. Uh, but God has just placed in my heart that as the church, there are things that we just need to be doing different. You see, it's, a, it's an honor to be part of the body of Christ. And the church was built on the blood of Jesus Christ. And the word church was used by Jesus himself in Matthew 16, 18. And I say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of heaven, Hades will never overcome it. So this is about Jesus' church. This is not about me. This is about him being the head of the church. Now let me say this real quick. To, the, to you people over here, we found out this morning the air conditioner quit working. So the message may be a little hotter for you than it is for these folks that are over here. I had already had something planned where I was going to speak to these guys and say, you must be in your comfort zone. Look at these guys sweating over here about this message. So my apologies. Uh, we will uh, have it fixed uh, next week. And we have this one is down as low as we can get it. I, I'm so sorry. You know, we know that the church is made up of many parts. And that each of us are called to be God's slaves. And we are to use the talents that he has blessed us with. And we are to share them with one another. And we are to share with the entire body of Christ. To make this happen to the fullness of Christ, we must be in unity. God will bless you according to how you respond to his invitations. The truth holds the life-changing potential for us in unity with one another. Symbiotic growth is the growth that occurs between two organs where they both benefit. Parasitic growth is the growth that occurs when one organism feeds on the other. Believers need to ask yourselves, how are you functioning in what we call the body of Christ? Am I a spiritual parasite? Do I come and say, sing to me, preach to me, counsel me, but don't expect anything from me? That's a parasite. A true believer interested in true growth says, yes, I have needs, but I am willing to give of myself also because everyone needs to benefit. And I have been blessed by my master of gifts 
that I need to share. You cannot experience God in all the dimensions that he intends if you're not part of the body of Christ. If one of your human body systems goes down, it affects your entire body in a negative way. A non-functioning, non-contributing body part is something that needs to be checked out by a doctor because something is wrong. You know, a football team is unified. Not everybody plays the same position, but the offense is headed in the same direction. In an orchestra, not everybody plays the same instrument, but they're playing the same song. And a choir is singing a great harmony. It's not because they're singing the same parts. In fact, they're adding their part to it. But again, excuse me, and again, it's the same song. It's the goal that produces the unity. Unity is not necessarily sameness. Unity has to do with the same purpose. 100 pianos, all tuned by the same tuning fork, are inherently in tune with one another. For there to be unity, there needs to be something out there that everybody is tuned to. And for us believers, that tuning instrument is the Holy Spirit. To be unified, we must be going in the same direction as the Holy Spirit. Everyone must be and must have a God perspective that governs your thinking and governs your actions. There's a story of a pygmy and I would say he's a little pygmy, but pygmies are little anyway, so let's just say he's a teeny pygmy. He's a little bitty guy. And he's standing by a rhinoceros, a huge rhinoceros that has been killed. And a man walks up and says, wow, did you kill that? And he said, yes, I did. And he's really amazed now. So he asked, how did you kill that rhinoceros? He said, with my club. And he says, wow, how big is your club? And he says, oh, we have about 100 members in my club. I was afraid y'all weren't going to get that one. (laughs) Sorry, ye of little faith. You see, we are part of a body, and we can do so much more when we are working together in unity. Just as the pygmies were as they worked together to fend off this charging rhinoceros. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4.3 that we should be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. The Holy Spirit is the giver of unity. In 1 Corinthians 12.13 we read, In one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, and made to drink of one spirit. Paul says that pastors are to teach and are to equip the saints. Ephesians 4.13, it is written, until we are all attained to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, that should be our goal. In other words, in unity, we are to pursue the truth. And of course, unity is more than just shared truth, but it's never less than the truth. Philippians 2.2 and 4.2, it is written that we should be like-minded. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord with one mind. And in Romans 5, 15, 5, it says that we should be in accord with Christ Jesus. Next in Romans 12, 10, 
we read that we should be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honoring one another above ourselves. Spirit-rooted, Christ-manifesting, truth-cherishing, humble-loving unity is designed by God. It has a couple of aims. It has many aims, but two of them is that we are to witness to the world and we are to acclaim the glory of God. John 13, beginning in the 34th verse, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must, and I would underline that word must in your Bible. That's not an option. It says you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, in the 17th chapter of John, there's just numerous just statements by Jesus that are just written in our heart, but they're all rooted in a profound spiritual unity between the Father and the Son. It's between those also whom God has chosen and pulled out of the world. Jesus prays in John 17, 6, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They are yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. He goes on to ask God to sanctify them. He goes on to ask God to make them holy. And then as he continues in that same chapter, he goes on and he prays for you and I. My prayer is not just for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. You can underline one in that passage. Father, just as you and as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have gave me, that they may be one. In them, I and them, and you and me, may they be brought to complete, not unity on Sunday, but complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You see, from this union with God and the glory it gives us, it shines in the world. God's aim is vertically rooted. Yet the glory is to be horizontal, giving him all the glory. John eleven fifty two says, Gather into one the children of God scattered abroad. The ultimate aim of the unity, the body of Christ, is to glorify God. Hear Paul's words of encouragement in Romans fifteen five. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So that in one heart and one mouth, you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We should strive to know and spread the truth and to spread the ways of Jesus. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach, admonish one another in all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts for God. A.T. Pearson said something very profound about unity, and I'd like to read it to you. He said, to a true child of God, the invisible bond that unites all believers to Christ is far more tender, 
far more lasting and precious. And as we come to recognize and realize that we are all dwelling in one sphere of life in him, we learn to look on every believer as our brother in a sense that is infinitely higher than all human relationships. This is the one and the only way to bring disciples permanently together. All other plans for promoting unity for the church have failed. You know, the church today, as bad as I hate to say this, the church has caused some of the problems, and it has certainly lent lent itself to some of the problems by just ignoring some things that were going on. So we have failed Jesus in that sense because he created us to be biblically found and in unity, in biblical unity. You know, the day has come for the church to be the cure by modeling unity in his name. We must obediently and reverently unite God's presence back into our lives first and then into the church. The church should speak with one voice to God's standard of unity within the body. The good works we do should be as one body, benefiting those who are suffering and those that have suffered. Spiritual reconciliation won't come from a seminar that you go to. It comes from service. It comes from being obedient to the calling that he has placed in your heart. As we serve those worse off than we are, we get to know one another a little better because we become the voice and the hands and feet and smile of Jesus Christ. You know, almost almost every minister will agree that there's a church within the church. There's a group of people that have personally met the living Christ and they'll never be the same again. The Greek word for church is a verb that means to call out. The first church was composed of true believers from Pentecost that were united in Christ. We are the body of Christ and Jesus is the head. Ephesians 1.22 And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fulfills everything in every way. Read that often and believe it every time that you read it because it's very clear as to who the head of the church is. And you know who it's not? It's not the pastor. It's Christ himself. As you understand that Jesus is the head of the church, you see that the true church is a holy temple, a habitation place for God to and the Holy Spirit to dwell. Ephesians 2.21 says, In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. The members of a true body of Christ are for the most part known only to God. There are ones who have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. They are scattered within all denominations. They are the ones that have been called out. It is the church within the church which Christ promised that the gates of hell would never prevail, as we heard earlier. So I want to share with you this morning some things that have amazingly been going on within the body here at Calvary. 
And I want to share with you some things that the church, that we need to be doing. So one of the things that we need to be doing is we need to get back to be called back to biblical authority. And Jeremiah writes in the 23rd chapter, and he charges his generation by saying, for you have perverted the words of the living God. Today, so often seems that the authority of scripture is being rejected. The church flounders like a ship without a rudder, seems to be lost in a storm, or it's like a plane without contact with a control tower. When the reality is God has not changed one bit. We have. We each need to go back to be to the beginning where the disciples began with a genuine, true conversion. Matthew 7 20 says, People will know you by the fruit, the fruit of your spirit. And then in the fifth chapter of Galatians, we see that the fact that the fruit of the spirit, such as love and joy and peace, doesn't always characterize people that claim to be Christians. Instead, their lives indicate that they have never had a genuine experience with God. People loosely identify with a church for various reasons, but they haven't had that spiritual conversion. The distinguishing mark of Christ's disciples would, was that people could tell that these guys had walked with Jesus. They knew Jesus. Many churches today are non-productive because Christ's spark of divine light doesn't reside with them. Many people church hop looking for a church that can give them something when in reality they should be prayerfully be seeking what God is calling them to do where he has placed them in that moment in time. We need to understand the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You see, the disciples were just that. They were disciples until Pentecost, and then they had everything. They were apostles. We can't escape the emphasis of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Churches today have so many tools to spread the gospel. This is the role of the church. Yet so often we lack the God-given spark to ignite our spiritual fire that, brings, that could bring peace to this desperate world that we're in. Instead, we feed off of words from various media sources. We do not have the boots on the ground to see the suffering, to see the struggle that people are having. But if we look on YouTube or on Google and somebody has posted that's funny and makes us smile, we think that's the world. I want to tell you the truth. It's been a long time since you saw the pictures of those that are oppressed in China. If you think that they are no longer oppressed in China, then you're just not paying attention. The church needs to be called back to biblical discipline also. We don't need to be excessive with this, but we do need to become self-disciplined and we need to deny self. Have willingness to take up the cross of Christ while at the same time preserving the great freedom that we have in Christ. We have to live separated from the evils of this world. However, today we have drifted so far outside. So far outside the church that so many people cannot discern between a Christian and a non-Christian. 
We need to get back to Christ being the center of our lives, the center of all things. In the 17th chapter of Acts, early believers had Christ at the center of everything that they did and everything they spoke. Today, we hide him in religion. We hide him because we do not want to offend. We need the thrill and the joy and the expectation of the early church. In the second chapter of Acts, we read that people thought they were drunk. They were so excited and so joyous. That joy came from the Holy Spirit. The apostles went out with excitement and expectation of the Holy Spirit working miracles. We need to come to grips with the social evils of this excuse me of this world. And we need to do what he puts in our hearts to do. We need to be truly transformed by the power of Christ. We cannot redeem society until we individually have been redeemed by Christ. Changing people's hearts, repentance, is a primary mission of the church. We first must proclaim the gospel of Christ as the only answer to mankind's deepest need. Secondly, with the ability that he has blessed us with, we need to apply the principles of Christ to the conditions around us. The world can argue many things, but it cannot argue with the proof of changed lives. This happens when the simple gospel of Christ is preached and proclaimed in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. The church can not ignore the community which is made up of those lives that are empty. We cannot ignore those that do not know Jesus. So let me share with you some things that have been going on at Calvary. And this is just within the last few weeks. Some of you know uh, Shulin, who has uh, been going here for several weeks now. He is from India. And I've talked to Shulin several times, and so last Tuesday, uh, he came up here, and we met in my office. And I asked him the question. I said, Shulin, why are you, why are you here? And he went into great detail how God had brought him out of India, brought him to America, how he'd gone to Bible college up in uh, Dallas, how he had moved down here with his niece, and he went to the whole scenario of how he ended up in Kingwood. And I said, no, shoot, I want to know, why are you in my office? Why are you here? And he said, God told me to come to this church. And he says, I love this place. I love the people here. He says, but I've been called back to India to do mission work. There's no accidents in God's kingdom. So I said, shoot, what can we do to help you? So if you look for opportunities within the church, you're going to hear a list here. There's one. Some of you may remember that last year, Melanie was called to go to Kenya to do mission work with kiddos in Kenya. And it got called off because of COVID. A couple of weeks ago, she may have shared with some of you, but she came to me and she said, the trip to Kenya is back on. We're going in October to do VBS in Kenya. 
So there's another opportunity. We can pray and support these people that are called to mission work. You know, we have churches in Mexico that we support. Pastor Victor is not here this morning because he's doing a Zoom message to people in Panama. Other things are going on locally. Pastor Zeke told you about the basketball goal that was, excuse me, that was put up. He came to my office Thursday, he sat down, and he said, I have a question for you. He said, do we have the money to seal that part of the parking lot where we put the basketball goal up? And I'm thinking, the heck, we, the NBA coming to play here or what? <laughs> he says, no, the pebbles come up, and, you know, I, and we don't want people to get hurt. And he says, and by the way, God has put on my heart to work with crew and to work with the schools in this area. And during the next semester, maybe we can invite kids to come here and have play three-on-three, three, or as he called it, the knockout round. The knockout round just scared me when he said they were going to do a knockout round. And he says, I want them to have a good surface there. And I'm thinking, sure we can, because that's a community around us. So there's another opportunity. You saw that the men have now been called to do fundraisers to help the youth and to help the church. I'm excited about these guys getting more involved. They have done so much with the guardians and with the ushers and with the greeters out here. And I love the message that Darla uh, did for us when she said so eloquently, if you greet somebody that's a visitor, you're a greeter. Not necessarily at the front door, but we would love to have you at the front door. But you're part of this body. And there are things that you can be doing. Pastor Zeke mentioned VBS, and there's a sign-up sheet out there. And Christy's not here today. Her father is not, is not feeling well, and he's at home with her. But I encourage you to sign up because we're excited about VBS. If you've ever, you should come by VBS just one day, if for no other reason, to watch Jarrett Chapman perform. I don't know how old Jared is, but I can tell you how old I think he is. <laughs> he has a heart for kids. It's a good thing because he's got three of them. There are people in this church that want to be in ministry. And sometimes we sit and go, well, I just don't know what to do. No, listen to the Lord. He'll guide you. Another lady came to the came to the women's group and said, I have a friend that has been deployed. Do you think we could put a care package together for him? And the lady said, sure we can. And so I called my, my ex-partner from the police department who works with Project Lone Star, and we partner with them each year. And I said, Jim, do you think you can get a care package sent to this guy? He says, I can get as many care packages sent to those guys as you need. Another opportunity. When God puts it on your heart to help one person, watch and see how many God truly helps. We have an opportunity in the coming weeks to pray for law enforcement. I got a text asking, Pastor, do you think we can have prayer time for couples? And we're beginning to look at that. Last year, we didn't get to do a baby shower for the source. The source, if you're not familiar with them, is a ministry that ministers to those young ladies that have decided not to have an abortion. 
but to carry that child full term. We're going to have a baby shower here in August, and you can help with that. Of course, Pastor Zeke has already talked about his wiffle ball league that he's put together. He just didn't tell you how the teams he stacked that he, is his team. <laughs> but that's another message. And today in our presence, we have a man that used to be a youth pastor in inner city. And we can go, great, thanks for worshiping. When we should be prayerful, prayerfully saying, why are you here? God, why is this person here? What is going on? Because you see, God works all the time. So often we are people that are allowed to see a miracle that God performs. And we say, oh, that was great. But you ever think about what you just saw, what you just witnessed, that maybe God wanted you to be in the middle of it and not to be a spectator, but to be part of it? God never adds to the body by accident. All the opportunities that we have are from God. And so we work from God. Yes, we work for God, but listen very carefully. We work from God. We work from his authority and from his power, not our own. You see, the church today is not dying. The church today is neglected. The opportunities are there. So we need to unite in love and As I said before, don't sit and watch. Get involved. If you don't feel comfortable with getting involved, God can really use you. Because you look through the Bible and read those stories, none of those people jumped up and said, pick me. They came up with excuses of why they couldn't do something. And I've heard it myself. God has spoken to me and said, I know you can't. I can't. God needs that willing heart. You see, God didn't ordain the church to drift aimlessly in uncertainty. Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection is why the church, the church exists today. God's church grows stronger under persecution as we obediently follow his will. The Holy Spirit produces unity and Christ brings forth spiritual fruit. While we should expect persecution because we are the body of Christ on this earth. We should depend upon and completely trust God to accomplish his purpose. We should be a warehouse of spiritual food to feed and nourish those who are seeking God. If we're not, we have failed as the body of Christ. We belong to Christ and should have a spirit-filled fellowship with one another. We should bring honor to his church. The church holds the key to the revival. And with Jesus Christ, as hard as it is for some of you to believe, it's within our grasp. As goes God's people, so goes the redemption of the world. We are not just evangelists. Jesus charged us to be disciple makers. John 17, 4, Jesus prays, To his father, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. You see, now, folks, it's our turn. Our turn to step out in boldness. So is God speaking to you? If you're not sure, I want to encourage you next Sunday to come to the Connect Group because we're going to unpack how we hear God speaking to us and how we can discern if it's God's word. So I encourage you to do that. 
And speaking of our connect groups, uh, the other, another thing that's going on, I've had four people that have come to me and said, Pastor, God's put on my heart. I'd like to help you teach that group. That is so awesome. So often we depend in the church, we depend upon pastors to do everything. I think I said earlier that the pastor is not the head of the church. Each of you are part of this church. Each of you have a role to play for Jesus Christ in this church. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, and then again in 58 says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. You will not all fall asleep, but you will all be changed. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. So do you say you're a godly person? But do you function as a godly person within his body? 